This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. Alright, so as I was talking about on today's actual episode, there was a second article that I was going to talk about, but I went a little bit longer on the episode than I intended to, so this is going to be a daily instead. Uh, we're still going to go through that same article, just going to pull it over here as uh, some bonus content. So for anybody who is listening to the regular show, uh, I guess they can either come subscribe and get a piece of this, or just going to miss out on it. But here we go. I'm going to bring this up, and we're just going to run right through it. Um, I asked my daughter's teachers not to call her a boy, and they reported me to social services. This is pretty fucked up. Like many parents on a Sunday evening, Patricia Chambers was busy checking for unwashed sports kit in her 14-year-old daughter's school bag when she discovered something rather perplexing. Crumpled up inside was a letter from her teacher regarding a project. While the contents made sense, Patricia was confused by the name. It was addressed to Lex Chalmers. Her daughter's name is Esme. Instinctively, I suspected something was wrong, but I waited until the next morning before I phoned the school, says Patricia, a 49-year-old mother of two from Swindon. Esme had been dressing differently for months, no longer wearing the skirts or dresses she'd loved when she was younger, and was instead wearing baggy hoodies and jeans. She chopped off all her long hair into a short crop. I was absolutely fine with it. She's a teenager. She can dress how she wants. Like many parents on a Sunday evening. Uh, oh, sorry. But I'd also discovered that she was ordering chest binders, which flattened the breast, and I was worried she'd hurt herself. I'd read up on gender identity and reassured her she could be as gender non-conforming as she wanted, but I wasn't going to let her harm her body. She was still developing, so I wondered if the name change was connected to this. When she phoned her daughter's co-educational state secondary school, the receptionist claimed the name change must be a mistake. But Patricia wanted to make sure and sent an email. I want to clarify in writing that they definitely didn't use a name, a different name for my daughter, and that she should be referred to as Esme she says. It took a day to respond, but eventually replied, saying that in keeping with their equality, inclusion, and diversity policy, they had socially transitioned, when you refer to someone by different names or pronouns to match their gender identity, my daughter, and were referring to her with the gender-neutral name Lex and they-them pronouns. You want to see me bust down the fucking doors of the school and come in and cuss every motherfucker in there? That's, that's a good way to do it. Um, Patricia had a slightly different response. Though. I burst into tears. Esme had not mentioned anything to me, but I knew social transition could harm her mental health. She is on the autistic spectrum and has suffered with anxiety and depression. Anxiety, depression, it's on the spectrum. All of these things ringing bells. If you listen to the full episode today, stuff is all connected. It's mental health crises. Changing her identity to one thing at school and being something else at home could make things even more difficult for her. I couldn't believe the school had done this behind my back. How dare they? I was livid. Most parents will find it shocking that a teacher would adopt a child's changed identity without parental consent or knowledge. After all, a school not only has a duty to, to care to, of care to educate pupils, but to keep them safe and protect their well-being. And they don't care about that well-being thing. Teachers are advised to ask for parental permission before they administer medication or even apply sunscreen. 
Last year in the CAST review, an independent review of gender identity services for children and young people, Dr. Hillary Cass said that socially transitioning children was not a neutral act. It is important to view social transition as an active intervention because it may have significant effects on the child or young person in terms of their psychological functioning, she wrote. Yet it seems that when it comes to the contentious issue of gender, some teachers are failing in basic safeguarding duties. Hundreds, possibly thousands of families are affected, and parents' support groups say the problem runs nationwide. This comes amidst the backdrop of Nicola Sturgeon's controversial plans for gender self-identification. The proposed gender recognition reform in Scotland bill, currently being blocked by Rishi Sundak, would mean people could change their gender without a medical diagnosis, including lowering the minimum age from 18 to 16. And yesterday, the UK government announced that a plan to ban conversion therapy will include the outlawing of trans conversion therapy. Ministers insist the controversial move won't see parents and doctors being inadvertently criminalized by discussing gender with their children, yet campaigners fear the move could affect legitimate counseling and support for vulnerable youngsters. Counseling, that's, I mean, therapy. The situation is becoming a minefield for parents. Over the last three years, more than 850 parents of trans-identified adolescents and young people have contacted us from all over the UK seeking support, with many of these reporting that schools had changed their child's name and pronouns without consent, says a spokeswoman for Bayswater Support, a group set up by the parents in 2019. Parents tell us that when they try to engage constructively with schools, it is often implied that they are a risk to their own children. Teachers should be more mindful of the most common underlying conditions, autism, ADHD, trauma, and internalized homophobia, and be wary of inadvertently pushing minors towards irreversible medical and surgical treatments. Tanya Carter, spokeswoman for Safe Schools Alliance, agrees this is an increasing issue with schools acting as if they have the right to strip parents of parental responsibility, but they don't, only the courts do, she says. The misapprehension that schools should keep secrets from parents is so entrenched that there is now even a checkbox school management system to say whether a child's preferred pronouns should be used in should only be used in schools. But the UK government is clear that part of parental responsibility is naming the child and agreeing to any name change. So these schools are actively acting against the law. I mean, come on. Sally Miller, a 52-year-old finance manager, discovered that her child had been socially transitioned at school behind her back when she was 14. Her daughter, Eleanor, now 18, was referred to as Jude, first they, with they-them pronouns and later he-him pronouns without any discussion with Sally or her husband, Gordon. We were such a normal family before all this, not religious or political, but quiet and rather, really rather boring, says Sally. But when Eleanor started her private co-ed secondary school, she was badly bullied, and I encouraged her to join some clubs so she could find new friends. One of those clubs was the LGBTQ plus club. She said she felt a bit awkward because she was the only straight girl there. And see, this goes back to the, the main episode uh, kind of discovery that, 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 uh, that the lesbian couple was making in that, where they were finding that their kids were just wanting to have a sense of belonging and a sense of sameness with the people that they were associating with. Like, why the fuck would you let your kid join an LGBTQ plus club uh, 
when they're not when they're like that you, i'll get to it when i get done with the article um she said she felt a bit awkward because she was the only straight girl there but i said that if everyone was welcoming it wouldn't matter she would make new friends i really had no idea what was to come so they're fucking brainwashing your kids a few months later, Eleanor came out at school as non-binary, choosing the gender-neutral name Jude and they them pronouns. Sally found out what was happening via a friend. It confused us at first because we had no idea what it meant. We spoke to friends who said it was like the new golf. This is the <laughs> I missed it. I missed this reference in the in the uh, in the regular episode, but that's this is what I had said too. This is it's like the new golf. Like you have to be trans to be. Uh, popular or to be like new and unique and to do this thing like it's it's fucking brain bug is what it is so uh let's see when we spoke to, we spoke to friends who said it was like the new goth so we thought it was a fashion thing and she'd just grow out of it but i also suspected eleanor might be autistic and wondered if this change of identity had something to do with it so I rang child and adolescent mental health services for advice. They said, we're hearing a lot of similar stories of girls identifying as non-binary and that there might be a link between that and autism. With waiting times running into years, Sally and her husband arranged an appointment with a private clinical psychologist. I'm like, that's going to fucking help. Who agreed there was a good possibility Eleanor might be autistic. When it came to social transition, he advised the family that no one should affirm Eleanor's belief that she was not female. At least, at least, uh, you got that part right. We were advised to watch and wait and see how things develop, and that seemed like a very sensible approach. After all, she was still only 14. We rang the school and told them what the clinical psychologist had said, and were shocked by their response. The year ahead, who also ran the LGBT club, told us that the parents we that as parents we had no say in how Jude wanted to be referred to. Should have pulled the kid out of that fucking school right then. He said that they were focusing on Jude's well-being and mental health and that they would be affirming their identity. I was stunned. We immediately asked for a meeting and went to the school and repeated the advice we were given by the clinical psychologist that Eleanor was not to be socially transitioned by anyone. But again, we were told that as parents we had no right to do that. My job was on the floor. You think you're dealing with educated professionals, but they refuse to listen. The couple decided to keep Eleanor in school as she seemed settled. This soft-ass parenting bullshit. But only a few months later, she had come out again to the school as a boy wanting to use he, him pronouns. Again, Sally and her husband only found out by accident weeks later. We were horrified that they had done this and repeated the view of the psychologist that she had adopted this new identity to cope with the bullying and we offered to put them in touch with experts in this field, says Sally. But this time, their response was to report me to social services. I got an email saying that the school was concerned that my child was the threshold for child protection, which terrified me. Child protection is the most serious thing a school can report a parent for as an in indicating abuse. You can have your children taken away from you. I was interviewed by social services, and thankfully, they were very understanding and could see that we were not abusive. We were doing everything we could to help our child. They dropped the case after two months, but the school continued to report me even after the case was closed. This school ought to be burned to the fucking ground. Last year, the couple decided that enough was enough and removed Eleanor from the school. That should have been your first fucking response was to remove the kid from the school. What is wrong with these soft-ass fucking parents? 
she is now studying at a different institution, but still referring to herself as a boy and is now expressing an interest in taking testosterone to medically transition, the effects of which are not well documented due to a lack of data. Early research indicates that giving testosterone to young women might affect their heart, bones, liver, kidney, and brain long-term. Eleanor says she doesn't care about the testosterone effects, but teenagers never think long-term, do they? She's an adult now, so she can do what she likes legally, but it breaks my heart to think she'll do something she might regret. It's been horrific. It's constant stress. We didn't know what the school was going to do next. The Department for Education says schools should work with parents, pupils, and the public services to decide what is best for individual children, as these are complex and sensitive matters to navigate, a spokesman said. The Department for Education is working towards pro providing guidance to support schools in relation to these issues, and we plan to consult on a draft before final publication this year. Campaigners say that strong guidance from the DFE cannot come soon enough and that families are under enormous amount of stress. We need the DFA to really, uh, to be really clear in its guidance and tell schools that they have no business in socially transitioning children. It's an active, activist demand and schools should not be following the demands of political activists, says Stephanie Davies-Aray of Transgender Trend, an uh, organization advocating for evidence-based care of gender dysphoric children and science-based teaching in schools. We don't know the scale of this problem, but for years, local authorities across the UK have been promoting guidance from lobbying groups such as Stonewall, which presents social affirmation as the only legitimate response to a child who says they are trans. So we imagine this is prevalent. Although these campaigners say it's mostly teenage girls asking, asking for transitioning at school, with a ratio of around 70-30, boys are also affected. Claire Connell was alerted to the problem within schools when her autistic son, Harry, was given a talk by a school nurse about puberty when he was 14. Harry had said to me, I've become that thing that I hate. And when I asked what he meant, he said gay, says Claire, 46, from Brighton. I told him that there was nothing wrong with being gay, and if that's how he felt, then it was okay with me. He was wanting to wear makeup and skirts, and again, I said that was fine. I went to arts college in the 90s. And I was very used to kids dressing up in gender non-conforming clothes. But when a nurse at school had a chat with Harry about puberty, he came home, he came skipping home through the door with paperwork about how to register for puberty blockers. I was shocked. He was only 14. Uh, Tanya Carter of Safe School Alliance says legal action may be the way forward. Only a few months later, lockdown interrupted any kind of social affirmation from the school for Harry. But two years later, when he joined Sixth Form College, Claire discovered that he had enrolled using the female name Chloe. I showed the school the cast review and reports from psychologists saying that socially affirming Harry wasn't in his best interest, but the school just ignored them, says Claire. They were calling him Chloe and in class and in emails, and when I asked them to stop, they read me, his mother, the riot act. That's a good way to get punched in the motherfucking face. Read me the riot act and watch what happens. They told me that they weren't socially transitioning him or encouraging him, but they were using his preferred pronouns. I asked to speak to one of the governors, and they kept saying they would pass it on, but never, I never got to speak to him. Like Sally's daughter, Harry is now expressing interest in medically transitioning. I don't want him to harm his health, and I have no idea if he will eventually go down that route. But he's already told me about his uh, male friend who is also transitioning, who injects estrogen, in a safe space provided by one of the LGBT trusts in our area. 
It worries me sick. I'd love to take legal action against the school, but I can't afford to let Harry know what I'm doing. He doesn't even know I'm speaking to the school about any of this. Tanya Carter of Safe School Alliances says legal action may be the way forward. We hope to see legal action on this, though many parents are deterred by the fear of further undermining a relationship with their child already damaged by activist teachers, not to mention the expense and stress of pursuing a case, she says. Meanwhile, Patricia, Esme's, uh, Patricia's daughter Esme, now 18, known as Lex in school, seems to be showing signs of wanting to revert to being female. Imagine that. Although it's a subject she refuses to discuss at home, I've noticed that she's less angry with me when I call her Esme, says Patricia. In fact, she seems more and more comfortable with the idea of being a woman, and is even talking about settling down in the future and becoming a mom. But because she's been called Lex at school, and they've referred to her as they and them for so long, naturally she's finding it difficult to desist. Like any teenager, she's embarrassed to say, actually, I got this wrong. I don't want to be this anymore. That's another reason why I can't forgive the school for what they did. All of the names in this story have been changed, uh, probably for obvious reasons, mostly because, you know, pending lawsuits and whatnot. Just like what I was saying in the, the longer episode today. This is shitty parenting. Like, when this stuff starts to bear its head, you have to step up and be an adult. Be the parent. Step in. Punch a fucking school administrator in the face and tell them fucking no. Like, have a pair of fucking balls. Be a parent. That's the solution here. That's the solution here. All this soft-ass parenting bullshit. Oh, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. I don't care. You are fucking hurting your children. You are mentally and emotionally crippling them by not being a strong, decisive parent. That's the solution. Not to be some soft, pansy ass, oh, whatever you want. That's not your job as a parent. Period. And if the school isn't willing to step up and talk to you about the things that are going on in your kid's life, then. You need to get your kid out of that school. Do whatever the fuck you have to do. And luckily, we live very rurally, so I don't have problems with the school like that. Like anytime there's something with my kids, I get emails and I get calls. I get more emails and calls than I would like to, mostly because my kids take after me, and they do things that the school don't, uh, that the school doesn't particularly like for them to do. But at the same time, like. If there's anything going on, they let me know. We don't have anything going on anywhere even really like this. Just, you know, kids get sick, kids do dumb shit. It is what it is. And when they do dumb shit, then we don't act like it's, you know, no big deal or brush it under the rug. We punish their asses and we set them straight and we explain to them, like, this is the way that you behave as, you know, a member of society. There are things that you can and can't do and there are objective truths and moral and objective morality, and, you know, we have to have these things. Uh, like I was talking to him when he was sitting in there, like, I am not here to be your friend and to make you feel good. I'm here to raise you to be a good, well-adjusted adult, and I can't do that if I am going with whatever dumb bullshit you want at every whim. 
I have to stand up for what is morally and objectively right and wrong and be a parent. And societally, we have people who are unwilling to just be a fucking parent. That's a shame. I will be back tomorrow with another daily uh, and Friday as well. Be sure to tune in on Sunday evening. We have I've managed to get rescheduled with Don the Pleb. Uh, so I will be back with Don the Pleb on Sunday evening for the conversation we were supposed to have a week or so ago. Um, that'll be at 7 p.m. Central. And that's all I got. Uh, see you tomorrow.